0: Lewis is such a great character, Rick Morales is amazing.
1: And I do just love the fact that he is the key master and he gets consistently locked out of his apartment.
0: It's <laughs> oh, just a, a lovely, <laughs> touch. <Nice. laughs> lovely touch. The
2: Godzilla-sized marshmallow ghost that like closes the film when you say it out loud it doesn't sound it sounds sound right. mad yeah uh, but yeah you're right he looks he looks adorable and terrifying at the same time
3: there's nothing that I'd change about this film it's just so much fun and it's got a
0: great song
2: you'd have to be a monster to not enjoy this <laughs> it's so 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 funny um, you'd have to yes. be stay
0: puff marshmallow man not to enjoy this <laughs>
1: Hello, my name is Louise Owen. I'm here with my husband, Sam Clements. Hello. And you are listening to Flixwatcher, the podcast where we review films on Netflix and score them with our unique scoring system. We are Sam and Louise from the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest, and tonight we are giving Helen and Kobe the night off from hosting duties as we are celebrating the 200th episode of Flixwatcher! woo Helen and Kobe, how are you feeling about two hundred episodes?
3: It's it's a surprising amount.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we got here. I, I was saying before when we started this, if someone had said we got to two hundred episodes, do you think we'll get to two hundred episodes? I would have laughed, but also said, "Well, I don't know. You don't know." But two hundred is a big number, so uh, it's great to be here. <laughs> genuinely
3: it would have been a, a crazy kpi uh, 5 years ago to have gone we're going to hit 200 KPI. episodes and You work in
2: marketing yeah. <laughs> uh, come 2021 200 episodes guys going to be huge
3: we're going to survive a pandemic and celebrate the anniversary of lockdown with a 200th episode um it's 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 mad isn't it and uh, there's there's so many podcasts out there and you know there's there's always the bigger names who releasing them all the time and then there's also you know people like me and kobe releasing podcasts and it's just kind of proof that you know if you've got an idea and you're passionate about it then you too can perhaps get to 200 episodes at some point if you want to
2: at some point if you want to (laughs) (laughs) did you ever have a thought like what happens if this netflix thing doesn't take off kind of blows our format out of water
3: (laughs) yeah so netflix please don't close
0: (laughs) I think they're fairly rock steady, aren't they? We've seen in the in the uh, in the pandemic that they're going to stick around a while, and we've seen how much people need them. But also, what we what we have what we've seen is that people need film and TV and actors, and we need to treat those guys better. So, come on, governments, treat actors and arts Protect better. Protect the arts.
2: Protect the arts. Support Netflix. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> All good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. In that order. Yes. <laughs> oh, we can flip that. We can flip that. <laughs> just before we get into the to tonight's film um are there any particular highlights over these 200 episodes should we do some some 200 flicks watchers admin
0: what what i've really just enjoyed is meeting a lot of lovely podcasters in the main and we, we tend to invite podcasters on uh to the show and i mean case in case in point has been you two guys because uh sam first came on for uh, the picture house podcast with simon and must have been like episode 40
2: Wow. <laughs> um It
0: was no, that it was that kind of long ago, and you know we've been good. We've been friends since then, and it's been really cool. And that's happened with a few of the shows, and as a podcast community's kind of grown and grown in London in particular, it's been you know good to see other podcasters starting and stuff like that. So that's for me, that's been something I completely did not expect at all.
3: Yeah, the same. Just getting to hear what what people are up to and all the weird and wonderful podcasts that are that are out there and yeah just like kobe said i I guess a a big highlight was doing our live show at latitude that was kind of wild and and crazy and a lot of film as well fun fun as well so hopefully live podcasts and festivals and things like that can happen again in the future i would hope Uh, so
0: we'll see you guys at the uh, london podcast festival hopefully this year in september yeah. As long as I get get your vaccinations and nah. stay safe.
2: Wear a mask, wash your hands, get your vaccinations, yeah. and we'll see you at the podcast festival. <laughs> uh, that'd be grand. Well, a great place That's to be. That's
0: for you, that Zoe. That's for you.
2: <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay,
1: should we move on to the film? Kobe, what have you chosen?
0: I've chosen Ghostbusters. Well, I selected, a, a, my shortlist included Ghostbusters, and Ghostbusters was chosen by the Twitter hordes.
1: It was indeed. You put it to a Twitter poll. Yeah. What were your three other choices and what were your reasoning behind
0: the four? So the three of the choices were Ghostbusters, The Karate Kid, Zombieland and Furious 7. And th- those, I don't know, I just they kind of just kind of visceral kind of re- reactions that came up um, as I was kind of scrolling through what was available on Netflix. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Ghostbusters was the most probably the most recent film to be added to the Netflix uh, catalogue. So literally, if I had posted that tweet the day before, it wouldn't have contained Ghostbusters. So it was um, quite fortuitous timing because it wasn't on my list until until then. Uh, Karate Kid is, well, quite luckily, our uh, 200th episode, which is available right now. Um, someone else chose Karate Kid between the time we, we posted the poll and, um, and this episode going live. So you'll hear Karate Kid, which is nice. Fast, and, Fast 7 is just, I love it. Plus it's quite fun seeing Helen watch films that she's not interested in, but are good. <laughs> I'm at the same so time. glad that
3: didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> I think. So uh, I and both... Zombieland.
0: I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen it for since it came out of the cinema, and I, I remember really loving it and thinking I don't want to watch Zombieland two. I'd rather watch Zombieland one again. But yeah, you guys didn't pick it, so we're talking about Ghostbusters, which is fine by me.
2: Uh, I think it's, uh, it, we, we were sort of wondering who would come out on top and we were secretly hoping Furious 7 would come because we're just Yeah, there was a campaign we, from your <laughs> side with Furious was. 7, wasn't there? There was, we're, we we're fast a small furious, campaign are uh, addicts <laughs> um, But at the format of our show, we don't really get to talk about them because they're all well over 90 minutes So we're like, okay, here we are, we're going to hang out with Vin It's going to be good but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, Ghostbusters is the classic and I totally see why um, the fans went for that
1: It is. Uh, Kobe, would you mind giving us a brief film synopsis for Ghostbusters if you're one of the few people who hasn't already seen this film?
0: Yeah, if you haven't seen this film, well, already, recommendability score is, is, you know. (laughs)
3: It's high, man.
0: Yeah, it's going to be high. Um, So Ghostbusters is based around three initially university postgraduates who are into the occult and those kind of things. And uh, they get kicked out of the university and decide using their knowledge to set up a ghost catching service, which they call Ghostbusters. Um, which initially was kind of a tenuous attempt to raise money, but we found out that yeah, they actually there actually were ghosts in New York and they needed to be caught. And eventually we get we get Ernie Hudson in the form of Winston uh, and become four people. And it's just a fun ride, and I love it so much. Uh, and look out for Slimer.
3: <laughs> Can't Can gonna say, I find it really far.
0: hard doing the synopses. I, I, I pity everyone who does it every week. But, uh...
3: I think it was over a minute as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you remember when you first watched Ghostbusters, Kobe?
0: Yeah, it would have been like five or six. And I remember, I think I, think I thought it was a horror film. I genuinely thought it was like a, a scary-ass film uh, when I first saw it. But yet I still watched it again, you know, time and time again. So I must have realized there was something underneath it There was more int- more to it than just like because I was the dogs in particular scared the shit out of me. Um but slime I wasn't scared of. I think it was particularly the dogs. But then there was you know, when you're kidding, you just don't rec- you don't understand the jokes. There were some jokes which were just flat out funny and kids could get. Like he slimed me. That that made me laugh. But then there's a lot of a lot more subtle things which the six year olds can't get. But then, you know, the more and more times you rewatch it. I can't remember the first time I realized that that dickless joke was probably the funniest joke in the film. <laughs> Certainly, at six years old, it went over my head, but maybe like twenty when I watched it again, I was like, I don't remember that at all. That's fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, but what about you guys? Were you like, you know, I was a child of the 80s, so so watched Ghostbusters one and went to a birthday party for Ghostbusters two when that came out, and that was that was a good day.
1: Uh, I do remember Ghostbusters being everywhere all the time. Mm. it came out sort of three or so years before we were even born but it did seem to be like <laughs> there was there was the cartoon wasn't there saturday yeah, morning cartoon. the real ghostbusters there yeah. was merchandise everywhere the song played at every primary school disco you'd ever went to yeah. it was just ubiquitous i think I, I can't remember a time where i didn't know what ghostbusters was but i can't i don't think i watched the film till i was maybe in my teens Oh, really?
2: My, yeah. I, I think that, because the film is quite grown up, isn't it? It's a 12. Uh, I don't know if it was ever a 15, but, you know, there's some risque well, it came out stuff as a in PG.
0: the film. Oh, Really? It came oh, out wow. as a PG oh. um, because 12 didn't exist at the time. But I think I think mainly it's a 12 because of that, that ghost blowjob scene, uh, which, again, I had no idea what that was at uh, at six <laughs> years old. <laughs>
1: It's very rude for for it's ostensibly a kid's film
2: i think my 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 first interaction with ghostbusters was the toys Like they were in every doctor's mm. surgery kind of like kid's toy basket every car boot sale there were to- ghostbusters toys on sale so yeah I think I just had like weird figurines that turned into ghosts, but not really knowing what they were until I, I guess I saw the cartoon first, um, yeah. the real Ghostbusters, which was animated. So obviously not real. Uh, and uh, and then I must've seen the films, yeah, when I was a teenager.
3: I, def- I definitely, I'm pretty sure that I saw Ghostbusters 2 at the cinema and Ghostbusters had seen it before then. So that would have been around 88, 89. I think Christmas 88, possibly me and my brother got Ghostbusters jumpers. There's like photos of us and we both got like, Ghostbusters sweaters and one of my friends had the like the backpack as well I didn't have it but he did so we used to go around and we'd get to play with that so that was very exciting but Ghostbusters has been a firm feature of my childhood and I think like you say Kobe about it being pretty scary I tended to lean towards those films that were probably not quite suitable for very small children but enjoyed Mm. them even then, which is probably why maybe I like horror so much. I'm not really sure. But, yeah, sort of, I think of it almost as a member of my family. Like, or like, yeah, like, it's just very comforting and, like, it's always there and you can go for it for, like, advice on ghosts and things like that. And it's great.
0: Advice on ghosts?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Should I bust? To yeah. bust or not to bust? <laughs>
0: So how old, how old are you, sound when you first saw it? Then can you, you um...
2: I must have been at like early teens. Uh, I don't know if we rented it from video shops. Remember those? Okay. <laughs> um, or or if I, it was on telly, but I sort of feel like we had a VHS copy of it. My dad used to tape everything, actually, on and put them on VHSs. Mm-hmm. We probably had like a version from ITV in like the early '90s, which had all of the original '90s ITV adverts on, you know, Nintendo Scope and the Cadbury's Bunny, uh, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I'm
1: amazed that your '90s reference goes straight to Cadbury Bunny.
2: Oh, every because my dad used to take every film we had off of the TV rather than like buying videos. So he would all, but he just said it to record, unless it was like a film he was feeling particularly fancy for, and would like stop the recording, <laughs> yeah, and then would yeah. come back in after the ads. Like it was a work of art for him. But all of our <laughs> all of our films were like taped off the telly, usually with uh, with the original ads. <laughs> I wish I wish I still had them. Actually, that would be quite a fun oh, nostalgia trip.
0: <laughs> no, because we we did the exact same thing, especially when it came around Christmas time. We would get like a box of like ten VHS. And the radio times would be highlighted and, and post-it noted. And uh, it was those, those kind of films where you weren't so fussed, you just let them record. <laughs> but there were the films that you, th- you knew you'd watch again, and there would be the kind of waiting for the pause. You wouldn't be watching the film properly, just waiting for the pause, <laughs> waiting for the break and pause. And then unpause. And um, was, you know, there was a bit of a skill, like you said, to, My favourite
2: sort of indulgent thing my dad would do is buy really cheap, like, ex-rental VHSs and tape over the little bit of plastic that would stop yeah, you yeah. recording on them. And then he would record his own film over the old copy of <laughs> Die Hard or whatever. What? <laughs> because X rental VHSs would be cheaper than buying brand new VHSs. Why
1: didn't you just buy the X rental VHS tapes that he wanted to watch?
2: But they didn't have the Cadbury's Bunny adverts on a Nintendo scope adverts.
1: So- <laughs> Wow, I feel like I'm learning more about you yeah, every this is day. Yeah, it's true.
2: I've been <laughs> married for so many years now, but the VHS history has never come up.
1: No, it hasn't. <laughs> wow, wow.
2: Uh, this is all very pre-Netflix, though. So it feels like uh, it feels like inappropriate talk.
1: Well, I, you say that though, but we've talked about how we all sort of have known Ghostbusters for like forever. Mm. This was the biggest film in the year it came out. This was a genuine phenomenon.
0: Mm. Do you know about the the kind of the um, inception of it at all?
1: Yes. I do know uh, Dan Aykroyd was quite into the occult mm-hmm. and uh, psychic stuff. And he sort of had this idea for this, this ghost team. And it was written
3: originally as a vehicle for him and
1: John Belushi. Yeah. Who it's sort
3: of, of is immortalised in Slimer. They kind of said that he looked a little bit like him. And they called yeah. him that on, on set. <laughs> so he didn't obviously live to make it into the film as originally intended, but he lives on as Slimer, I guess.
2: The most iconic character, you could say.
0: Hmm. (laughs) The most merchandisable character. (laughs) (laughs) It's one one of those things as a kid that I realised it was being sold as a toy, but I I kept on thinking, he's not in it for that long. He's in it for like two minutes. Why is he like such a big boy? You know, that's how merchandising works, isn't it? Um, Yeah, the original scripts that Dan Aykroyd was doing, and by all accounts, he can't write a script to save his life. And everyone's like, it was like... 300 pages long, and everyone's like, "This is nonsense, mate. This is absolute nonsense." Um, and for the first time I ever, I watched it with subtitles this time on on Netflix. And some of the some of the dialogue is ridiculous. It's, it makes no. I'm not. I'm not taking the notes of it, but it, it does lean back into that original subtext. And we rem, we remember things like Zool and Gozar and stuff like that. But there were, some of some of the lines that people have to deliver is absolute nonsense. So it's kind of amazing that I ever actually made it out as a as a film and. And did so well, because I think there was a lot of script doctrine done to it to, like, shred out everything.
2: I sort of imagine with those actors as well. Like, the cast is incredible. Like, mm-hmm. there must have been a lot of improvising on set.
1: I think there was. I think one of the uh, IMDb trivia points is a lot of the dialogue was improvised. Because they are all, like, SNL cast. So that sort of is in their wheelhouse. So they just made yeah. up a lot of a lot of the dialogue as they went along. Which I think lends itself to some really great comedy moments.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think this film is scary. It's like a legitimately a great horror film. The special effects are so good, but it's so funny. Like Even though it was the probably like the hundredth time we watched it for this, we were still <laughs> laughing away.
1: Should we talk a bit more about the special effects? Do you, you think they it? hold up considering it's a 30 plus year old film?
3: Yeah, I was watching it. I was going, yeah, they're all right. I think the... Um, <laughs> I mean, you you can tell that, obviously, it is not um, a a recent thing. But I I thought they'd remastered it. I think when the the DVD came out, they did some kind of remastering to it, like the DVD back in, like, 2000 or something. Um, It was was possibly remastered then, so that is what we're watching. So, um, yeah, I mean, the ghosts are pretty convincing. And there's obviously, like... The ways they've kind of got around certain things because you don't see um Bankman get slimed by Slimer. you just kind of see the aftermath, which um that is, used to really
0: annoy me as a kid
3: is much better than <laughs> obviously what they would have been able to do at the time, which is is, is kind of fun. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's kind of fun. And then there's um, I always liked the like dead taxi driver in the cab, which was clearly not kind of CGI but kind of looked. Mm like a kind of property thing. So there's there's kind of like a mixture of like property type effects and kind of ropey CGI, which I think <laughs> kind of adds to its charm a little bit. I kind of like it.
0: I think the dogs don't work out that well uh, when you see them moving. Um, but everything else I think is really good. Like Stay Puft Marshmallow awesome or some Slimer looks great. The the library goes at the start. Is, it still looks really cool. So I think for the most part, it, it does work out. I don't know, what what you guys reckon?
2: I feel like the I think I think the, the joy of it is in the simplicity. So like mm. they're using really old school cinema techniques um here, like stuff that you would have seen in like the classic universal horror films of like the nineteen thirties and forties with Dracula and the Mummy. So I, I love that they're going back to kind of classic Old school in camera. It's often called like in camera techniques, you know. So mm-hmm. they will, they'll, they'll they'll actually capture it on the day, and they don't need to rely on the eighties equivalent of a computer uh, to do. And I think that's smart because you know th- that technology ages, but this this like in camera stuff doesn't as much. Um, I'm just always amazed at how good they look and how well designed they are. Like they took the
0: ghost side of this,
2: you know, what is a silly comedy so seriously?
0: Yeah, absolutely love it. Do you guys have a favorite ghost in the in the?
1: Ooh, in the good film. Good question. The favourite ghost.
2: Uh, I mean, we sort of talked about Slimer already. Yeah. I feel like he's off limits because he's he's the one who got the the, the merchandise. He got action figures and stuff. Um, there.
1: I think maybe the the first lady in the library is maybe my favourite, just because it sort of sets up com- that whole scene. Really sets mm. up completely what this film is about. Mm. You sort of see this very traditional, serious-looking woman. And they're all sort of dancing around. They don't quite know what to do. And then when she turns, and you, and the sort of like the quality of that sort of CG mm. special effect is so good, you're like, oh, we're taking this really seriously. Does she but shush them? She does. Yes. Yeah, it's
2: just a technique. It's before. There's no real jokes before then, is it? So like that, if you walked into that not knowing what you're about to watch, so like I've just walked into a proper ghost film.
1: No, because they do the whole. Um, Bill Murray does the whole card thing, they have Ah, to guess what the cards are, so you can sort of tell it's a bit funny, but you don't know how they're going to play the ghost side of it, Mm. like, is this actually going to be a real ghost, Mm. or is this just going to be like a, no, of course they're not real sort of film. Oh no, they are very real, and they're very scary.
2: It's the classic laugh before the moment of horror, like a really good horror movie beat uh, there. I, yeah, I I, I mean, I just love how sort of broad, like... There's not just like one type of ghost. We're not talking about people with like a white sheet over their head in here. Like these mm-hmm. are properly like made-up actors with like horrible, gruesome bits on their face. All from like their costumes for all different periods. Like the just it must have been so much fun planning uh, all of the all of this sort of stuff. Actually, on the some of the sort of, you know, interviews and special features at the time were with the VFX team. And they're all people who came on like star Wars, Indiana Jones, like these were the best people in the business now doing a comedy with SNL guys. Like it's, (laughs) it's such a weird, like world's colliding moment.
3: It's interesting. No, one's picked sexy slash blowjob ghost out. um, as their favorite. (laughs) Uh, We were saving her for you. Such a weird scene. And, every time it comes to the moment before then i'm like i still think i wonder if they're ever going to just like trim this scene out and just go you know what it's kind of weird we're not going to keep it (laughs) but it is such a bizarre scene um she's because she's quite a young ghost isn't she she is a sexy ghost it's not like an old ghost stay puffed i um, (laughs) i i'm a big fan and how, how old were you when you realised that Stay Puffed is not a real thing and that there is no real Stay Puft? It was just created for the film. Because that was me only a couple of months ago. I oh, was yeah. like, oh no! I was like, what? <laughs> Stay puffed isn't real? You mean there isn't really a little puffy kind there, of guy? There is,
0: there is Stay Puft now, but it wasn't at the time. I think they... They made him up. Obviously that's part of the merchandising.
3: Yeah. Uh, I like Stay Puft because really, um... he's so kind of like hello, here I am. <laughs> but massive and a destroyer.
2: That's amazing special effects, isn't it, as well? Like that scene, mm. the Godzilla-sized marshmallow ghost that like, <laughs> closes the film. When you say it out loud, it doesn't sound right. It sounds separate. mad, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He looks he looks adorable and terrifying at the same time. I think it's his eyebrows. It's like or the shape of his eyes. Like when they change and he looks angry, I yeah. was actually scared.
0: <laughs> I just love that... Uh, uh... Benkman's, um explanation, I just thought about this, 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 when I was a kid and used to roast marshmallows in the fire <laughs> and I thought about the, the kind of sweetest thing I could ever think of and then you hear this, this footsteps like Jurassic Park badoomf, and it, it just gets me every single time, it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, what about Zul? Zul was um, quite an interesting ghost I thought.
2: We have overlooked Zul the, the main Zool,
0: man.
1: Does Zul count as an actual ghost since uh. there are an ancient Sumerian God, oh, is it a okay. ghost? Are we going to get existential?
2: Pretty spooky, though. Pretty
1: spooky. <laughs> Pretty spooky, sexy
2: uh, lady. Zool's good at um, boiling those eggs in Sigourney Weaver's apartment, uh, which is one of the best visual effects in the film. Like I just see, on I the counter, those s- eggs actually boiling.
3: <laughs> just, did, it's the,
0: so did the, effects, did, the, did the featurette tell you how that works? Because it's not—it's not just the boiling. It's how they kind of popped out. That kind of get, freaks me out. Not freaks me out. Intrigues me. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, they in didn't London go. Into, I would have loved it if they did, but they did talk about wanting to give the actors stuff to react to. So, mm-hmm. like, that's just Sigourney Weaver's real reacting to eggs, like, like magically frying <laughs> on the sets.
0: <laughs> um, we'd be remiss to not talk about Rick Moranis mm. in this. I think him and Bill Murray are the out, out and out funniest kind of uh, characters, specifically in this. Um, and when I see when I see films with Rick Moranis, I always miss him because he's just doesn't do stuff that much anymore. I know he's, he's made a comeback a bit, um, but he's such a great character in this. Lewis is such a great character. Rick Moranis is amazing. And we, we talked about him a bit in uh, an episode we did with Parenthood, called Parent uh, For Parenthood. But in this, he's just absolutely top draw. I don't know, are you, you guys fans of him?
1: Oh yeah, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think he's my favourite performance in this film, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, he's not even in that many scenes. I think he's only in about four scenes in the whole film, but he's just like the standout performance for me. It's just so funny the way he's just like droning on and on. And on. Maybe we'll go and get a glass of water sometime. And I do just love the fact that he is the key master and he gets consistently locked out of his apartment. It's
2: oh, yeah, just a, good, a lovely, it? touch, nice.
1: lovely touch. Lovely <laughs> touch
2: yeah this is um he's like such a success story of this like all of them were big at the time um because of their tv work but this was like he was big in canada and this is one of the first sort of big things he did in the us so like it sort of launched his career and that's why he's in all of those 80s films uh, off the back of it but yeah he's he's such a good like whiny um mm. underdog neighbor and you're constantly rooting for him Uh, I'd love his stuff. I'd love to just sort of see a supercut of all the Rick Moranis bits from Ghostbusters.
0: (laughs) Do you know who that was supposed to be? Who was going to play that role? I do. Oh, you do? I do not. Yeah.
1: John Candy turns down that role.
0: Wow.
2: Mm. I mean... I would. I mean, I would love to see best, that. But I'm I so think, glad probably. we got Rick Moranis. Yeah, <laughs> it would be so different. Like John Candy is different. like the literal opposite of Rick Moranis in every way, <laughs> uh, and he's such a powerhouse performance. Like I think he'd be too. Like he'd just be too big for like would, the energy that energy. He Rick would
1: overpower. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the joys is that Sigourney Weaver towers above Rick Moranis. Yeah, that's uh, like in like, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's really, really fun. Um, yeah, I don't know, and like. There's a, that party scene, which is in, in Rick Moranis' apartment that they Sigourney Beaver eventually goes to, and I sort of like the impossibility of the Rick Moranis' character hosting a party. Whereas John Candy, <laughs> everybody's going to go to a John Candy party.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's it's kind of a sad party isn't it? Because it's literally all his count uh, all his clients, and he's an accountant, and yeah. he introduces people as like telling what their you know the pensions choices were and their how he does their accounts, and just like dude, this is this is a sad party. <laughs> <laughs> you got schmooze with the clients.
3: We talked uh, a little, little bit about um, that casting, but I obviously like Eddie Murphy was lined up to be in it, and he—I
0: think that's a popular misconception.
3: No, he—he he, he was. That's why the a part was originally much bigger for for Ernie Hudson, and then when he, because he kind of read the part that was obviously much bigger because they were going to get Eddie Murphy in, and then. When it came to, he obviously joined quite late because Murphy dropped out and they just didn't include any of it. And he's he's kind of like said, it was a bit of a shame, but I'm mm. kind of okay with it because it opened up new doors and it was it was great fun. But, but I can't imagine what the kind of dynamics would have been like if Eddie Murphy had have made it into it because it would have completely kind of shifted it and would he have been the star? It's, it's kind of a, a, a weird one to try and imagine, but just sort of knowing that potentially he could have been in there. It's like, what kind of film it could have been is really interesting.
0: I do know, like you said, the Winston Zeddemore's role was supposed to be a lot, lot bigger. And he was, and he was gutted because he was, and he was supposed to be like a fighter pilot. And that's why he comes into it. And that kind of backstory makes more sense as well, because he just kind of rolls into the job as like someone who needs a, who needs a job and happens to come across a ghost bus at a time when they're like super busy and everyone knows who they are. So it it wouldn't make more sense that he was like a super duper, you know, army guy or um, fighter pilot who comes into role because they need someone with a bit more oomph to be able to back them up a bit. But otherwise, it's just just an ordering Joe off the street, which seems a bit, doesn't seem to make sense, does it?
3: It's kind of a strange one.
2: Yeah, how, how just how nonchalant he. They 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 say in like one scene, we need to get some help because there's a montage of the business doing really well, and yeah. then the next scene is him rocking up with the newspaper ad. But I sort of like how he's like, if you're paying me, I'm believing it. You know, like it's it's just it, it sort of works uh, there. Maybe maybe better for the comedy to have this guy who's willing to go with it, and then the payoff is in the mayor's office where he's like, I just joined the ghosts are real guys like, I'm sceptical as you but they're real Like I, if it was someone who was a bit more gung-ho maybe you wouldn't be able to do that that kind of scene guys
1: should we move on to the scores
2: yes hello folks I'm Sam and I'm Martin And every week for the last five years, we've
0: got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette (laughs) and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hole, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl... Uh, He's
2: also the gravelly voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on
0: FlixWatcher. So make sure you check those episodes out. And when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits.
1: So first off is recommendability.
2: We should mention that this is a unique scoring. It system It is a unique scoring system. I did
1: mention it at the top of the show. But
2: just to remind the listeners, <laughs> if they haven't got it now after two hundred episodes, this is the watch a unique scoring system. What
1: I actually love most about this is the spreadsheet.
2: Yeah, I mean, God. anything
1: involving a spreadsheet, I'm here for. I'm wholeheartedly pro spreadsheet. So the fact that you've got two hundred films ready to go, I'm just, I assume there's formulas in the. In the cells
3: as well.
2: Fascinating uh, bedtime reading, list, I have Beautiful. to say. Uh, it's, it's a real honour to be invited to the spreadsheet uh, were, to
0: sort of see it in raw spreadsheet form.
3: Spreadsheet of
0: dreams. <laughs> there oh. were um, when we did the live show at um, Latitude Festival. You know, we had um, Ashling B. B. Yeah, but Ashling <laughs> B. As a host, and we had lots of stuff going on, giving away prizes uh, from mm-hmm. San Gilby, um, like oh. we did, we're doing Back to the Future. But when I brought the spreadsheets up on the on the screen, everyone went woo and it's amazing how people get engaged by like numbers on the board um but yes thank you very much louise it is patented um so you can't use it
3: (laughs) genuinely here for it
0: Uh, and
3: recommendability is not a word it is a word word.
1: it is
2: yeah It is. (laughs) it is now after 200 episodes it's a bloody word Yeah, we need to get uh, uh,
0: Susie Dent on the case.
2: I'm sure you could submit it to the dictionary companies. They'll, they'll take yeah, submissions, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah send but, them I mean, a tweet. They them. <laughs> take them. Everybody, in. if everybody listening now tweets the Oxford English Dictionary, we'll get it in for next year, 2022 edition.
1: <laughs> so let's move on to recommendability. Kobe, what's your score first?
0: It's five. It's got to be five. Absolutely. Who? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, then you're insane, and you have to go and see it right now. And um, yeah,
3: brilliant, Helen. A hundred percent a five. There's nothing that I'd change about this film. It it's funny, it's silly, it's a little bit weird. Some of the bits are like really bizarre, but you kind of go with it. And if you if you're a kid now, you're probably going to love it. And it's a great one to revisit. And it's just so much fun. And it's got a great song.
1: Sam,
2: I can't argue with any of those things, really. Um, I, I'm a little bit suspicious about the owners of the Flixwatcher podcast giving their choices fives, but we'll just see how the <laughs> rest of this goes. Um, and uh, having said that, I also have to give this one a five recommendability. It's such a solid recommendation. Like, if you don't know very much about a person, but they ask you what film to choose, I would pretty be, feel pretty confident about saying, give Ghostbusters a try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because you'd have to be a monster to not enjoy this <laughs> It's so, so, so funny. Um, you'd have to yes. stay
0: Puff Marshmallow man not to enjoy this. Uh, and you and
1: Louise. I mean it's a five for me as well.
2: Oh. I think
1: you could recommend this film to absolutely anybody and someone would get something out of it. Nothing nothing much more to say than that, really. I think it's Great.
2: I I wouldn't recommend it to someone with a fear of ghosts. If they said, I have a fear of ghosts, what film should I watch? I would maybe not recommend this. That's the one occasion.
0: I,
1: see, I would recommend it because Ooh. it would help you get over that fear. Confront know. your I fear head on.
0: In in Harry Potter, the ghost that uh, John Cleese plays, that's quite a scary one where his head falls off. That, I think true. if you can deal with that, then you can deal with any of the ghosts here. Um, that, that's maybe the bar. Maybe it's the thing to ask them have you seen harry potter are you scared of nearly headless nick is that what the ghost is called yes um if you're not then yeah watch ghostbusters go for it okay that's good
2: okay so ghostbusters is doing pretty well mm.
1: so far what's the score we've got a beat oh i don't
2: know
1: I don't know. To come the first. highest
0: score so far is a joint one uh with when harry met sally and to all the boys i loved before oh, uh wow. that score is 4.718 i think it is at the top
2: I mean, I understand to all the boys I loved before being so high, but why is Harry Met Sally in
1: there?
2: (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) Both excellent films. Um, So number two on the the scoring system is repeat viewing. Kobe, how do we repeat view a Ghostbusters?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's five, isn't it? I've watched it (laughs) countless times since I was, like, like saying eight or nine or whenever it came out, and I will happily watch it at least once a year until my old frail days so yeah 5 uh, and helen
2: I,
3: it's another 5 it's an hour and 45 minutes um you know which is you know peak time it's a little bit longer than the 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 classic 90 minutes but 1 hour 45 is still gold standard and i really enjoyed w- watching it again um uh, i had a lot of fun with it and uh, yeah and if you've only ever kind of watched it as a kid and you've not really gone back to it as an adult, then I really recommend that you do because you'll you'll find some things in there that maybe you didn't quite understand when you were a child, and they are still yeah. there. So, uh, yeah,
2: uh, I am going to go next.
3: Are
1: you?
2: Yeah, just decided that. Then I'll pass over to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It has, I mean, I've watched the film probably like genuinely feel like about 100 times. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so easy to watch and you keep seeing new things in it. That's like the sign of a good uh, repeat viewing, uh, mm-hmm. I think.
1: I agree. I think there's different jokes I laugh at each different time. There's yeah. new jokes you pick up and there's always stuff you forget, which I think even if you've seen the film a lot and there's still bits you forget, so you're like, oh, yeah, it's that bit coming up. I think that <laughs> is a real plus
2: I think the there's no like cringy catchphrases in this like you might mm-hmm. get in some comedies you know where where they get just taken out of context and are a bit silly like even the really popular lines still slay me like Bill Murray saying dogs and cats living together yeah. like, i love that so much and when we were watching some of the like the making of stuff they play that clip in every single featurette <laughs> still funny though still
0: funny i think my yeah. favorite line is we came we saw we kicked its ass as, as a kid i think that's the thing i used to say quite a lot <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, until, I gotta go. And, until I understand what Dickless was. Although, possibly, oh. I think that line might have been excised uh, in, the, in the ITV cut. I think they might have changed that line. So, maybe a, part of the reason that I'd never heard that until I was older. Oh.
2: They did actually do, um, on. there's uh, lots of this on YouTube of uh, alternate takes to TV um, oh. where they've like ADR'd different lines over. Uh, so that's just some fun further viewing for the listeners. Um, so yeah, I guess if they were going to show it before the watershed or whatever, they could um, you know put it on, cut out the rude bits. Probably said mm. something. I don't really know what you would say instead of "Dickless." <laughs> mm. <laughs> you silly man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm going to go five on, on repeat viewing, and Louise, it's a five for me as well. Oh, I can't. I
1: just I can't mark it down. No, I it... can't think what I would go lower that I can't because mm. like four isn't.
2: Not good enough. It's not
1: good enough. And I think it's better than like a four point something. So it's got to be a five.
2: Just yeah, I mean you've got to be true to your true to your heart. Yeah. I'm very skeptical of all of these fives showing up on Cody's yeah. choice though.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Maybe that will change with our next category, small screen score. How well does it work?
0: I'm gonna take it down just a little notch here because I think I'd really I really would love to see it with with an audience. Uh, something like the Prince Charles or Secret Cinema, or, you know, if there was a Bill Murray season kind of thing, I'd absolutely love to see this with an audience on the big screen, and I never have done. Um, every time it has been, and you know, I've watched an iterations like on TV, VHS, DVD, Twitter, now Netflix, and it's been great each time, but I think seeing this with an audience would be immense. So I'm going to go for 4.8. That's
2: a very specific score. I love it.
3: <laughs> i was i was uh interested to see where your score was leaning on that um as i was formulating my score in my brain because i have seen it i saw it at secret cinema when they did it mm. at the troxy which was quite a few years ago now it's probably like eight years ago maybe or something or maybe a bit less i can't remember but it was great and um They had uh, Dana kind of wandering around in a a red dress and an inflatable stay-puffed, and it it was a lot of fun. It was really good fun. And, um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to do it again. Maybe maybe they will. Um, But, yeah, it was really enjoyable to see it on the big screen. But then, you know, I have seen it on the small screen, and it is equally as enjoyable, so I'm going to give it a 4.5.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think
1: I think I agree with you, Helen. There, I think it's a four point five for me as well. Simply because I think it's obviously it's a brilliant film, but I do think there is something a little bit lost. It's the kind of film that was made to be seen in the cinema.
0: Mm.
1: I think something is lost, especially if you were to watch it on a smartphone. It's true. That, that I think that would be a yeah. suboptimal viewing experience. If so for me, yeah, yeah four point five. Slap,
0: if you see someone watching Ghostbusters on Tube
1: <laughs> no! on their
0: smartphone, it! slap it out the hands. Just...
1: Rolled up newspaper
0: on the end of the nose. Stop it.
2: No. Kobe says no. It's funny. I'm going to go against the grain here. And I'm Mr. Cinema. Like my day job relies on people seeing (laughs) the big films on a big screen. But. I watched Ghostbusters on my dad's recorded VHS tape, you mm-hmm. know, with all of the ads in for Nintendo scope and the catfish bunny. And that's how I think of Ghostbusters. I like, I think of the crappy video quality always when I think of the film in my head, I'm glad mm. HD streaming exists now and Blu-rays and things, but I still think of that VHS copy. So like I, I fell in love with this film on, on the small screen. I think it would obviously be better on the big screen, but I've never <laughs> actually done that. So I, I can't test it. Like, it's a five from me Ooh. for the small screen. When I eventually see it on the cinema, I may insist on re-editing the show to give a new score. <laughs> but for now, it's a five.
1: <laughs> for now, I'm afraid you're not allowed to re-edit scores. What?
2: Well, I'm going to stick with five. I'll go Thank down you. in history as a five uh, on Ghostbusters. Just because it, it works so well on the small screen, I would, I'm so jealous of Helen for seeing it with an audience because I think that would be immense. Okay, and our final score is engagement, which is, you know, how difficult would it be for you to turn the film off once you've started watching it? Uh, let's go, Kobe.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't turn it off. Um, if I came halfway, I'd sit down and watch the rest of it. Um, but I think I'm now at the stage where I know it's back and forth. I probably would be happy playing around with my phone for a bit uh, in, in places. So I'm going to put 4.5 here. Ooh, okay,
2: that's good. Uh Helen?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you've seen it this many times in your entire life, it's hard to give it a hundred percent engagement. But that said, it is really entertaining, and it isn't very long. Um, but this time round, I did do a little trekking up on the trivia, so I can't give it a four five. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go four point five as a lifetime score.
2: It's very honest uh, there to, uh, to reveal the, the secrets of how you watched <laughs> the film uh, with the trivia track in hand. Uh, Louise?
1: I'm going to go four. Four. I'm going to take it down. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, just because I think it is that thing of, if you're so familiar with a film, you're like, oh, I can just wander off at this point.
0: Mm. I
1: can just go, go to the loo quickly while it's on. I don't have to you pause know, You it.
0: know which points you can wander and come back Yeah, up. yeah. yeah.
1: But me, that just comes with familiarity. But I think, yeah, I think it's a four four from me. Um,
2: I think,
0: Sam? I, I agree with
2: everybody. I think when you've watched a film so much, it's sort of the downfall of a really great film, isn't it? Like, I love this film so much, I'm going to watch it again and again and again. But now I feel so comfortable with it, I can go and make a cup of tea after <laughs> Act One. They're just doing some dialogue now. They're setting up some story. There's no there's no jokes for a minute. Just boil the <laughs> kettle. I'll come back. Um, so it's it's sort of like a, I'd give it a loving four just because we're we're good pals, me and Ghostbusters. We go way back. <laughs> um, I'm not going to pause you. I'm just going to make a cup of tea. I know there's nothing good here for like the next 30 seconds. That's fine.
1: You know when all the ad breaks are.
2: I know when all the ad breaks are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that is a joy. Maybe they should start doing that on Netflix. Like, no, they don't no, advertise. No. Don't do it. No, no, but Sam, it would be a natural re- tea break, right? Let's not
1: go down that route, please.
2: Hey, it worked for the VHS era.
1: That's what the pause button's for. That's
2: true. We have pauses now. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want the overall score, guys?
1: Uh, yes, this is please. very exciting. Do we need to do a drum roll?
0: <laughs> oh, you need to do a drum roll.
2: Excellent drums. Probably won't come through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the top score at the moment, like I said, is a joint, I gave the incorrect top score. Joint top score is for When Harry Met Sally and The Fugitive, which both have 4.78125. Uh, number three is To All The Boys i Loved Before, um, 4.74375. Number four currently is... Groundhog Day and followed just behind that with what we do in the shadows with 4.7. Where do you think Ghostbusters ranks out of those guys?
2: I think we're in the top 10. I feel like we have quite a few fives at the beginning which will push it up and there was nothing lower than a a four, a Gentleman's four. four. So it must be, I'm going to go like (laughs) 4.6. It
0: is 4.73750 which puts it number three behind
3: Well done, Ooh. Ghostbusters, and well done, Bill Murray. Ooh, Two sorry, films in the I'm top wrong. ten. number four
0: behind to all the boys of the before. I can't count. I can't do numbers. That's why we have a spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's nice to see it up there.
2: And Yeah, like what a great Bill Murray double bill in your top uh, top four movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah love it. And yeah, so Bill Murray is pound for pound because Groundhog Day is now uh, number five. Is pound for pound the uh, most highly rated Flixwatcher <laughs> scoring actor? <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i oh. think that's
2: that's worth Pretty celebrating distorted. that's an achievement worth celebrating there
1: okay great we've done the scores should we move to see what twitter has to say about ghostbusters yeah
2: Absolutely. earlier in the in the week uh, the flicks pod uh, twitter account asked for your opinions uh, on the film uh kobe as you selected the film do you want to read out the first tweet i'm going to pick
0: uh, a tweet from liam h dempsey at Liam H. Denty, a f- the film that I can watch more than any other, a very unique genre blend that has never quite been successfully replicated. Murray gives a perfect performance and the practical effects are sublime. This film is my religion. Five stars.
2: Oof. Wow. Uh, thank you, Liam. Uh, and over to Helen.
3: I, just, I, I read that when it, it came in and... This film is my religion really touched me. (laughs) It was really (laughs) lovely. Uh, I'll take this one from Rhys Hayward because it's come in two slightly confusing Uh, tweets.
0: Who's Rhys, sorry?
3: So uh, I will claim Rhys Hayward as my other half. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's quite rare, actually, that uh, he'll sit through and watch a film with me that has been picked for the podcast because normally I'll kind of gauge whether he'll... Be interested in them, and sometimes I'll put them on, and within a few minutes, he's he's disappeared. And uh, this was one he watched from the start to the finish, uh, so uh, he obviously enjoyed it. His review. So, the song from my primary school discos was related to a film, <laughs> gives it four stars. I really enjoyed watching this for the first time, age 33 and a third. Perhaps needs the memory of it as a kid to get that fifth star, but still thoroughly so this the enjoyable.
0: First time watching it.
3: As an adult. So I think he maybe watched it when he was very, 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 very young and hadn't revisited it since.
2: Oh, wow.
0: That's insane. So maybe he's watched it twice, is what you're saying. Maybe he's watched it twice.
3: <laughs> Possibly, yeah.
2: A low rewatchability from Reese.
3: <laughs> Which is... <laughs> but twice is a lot more than oh. most films. Most films don't even get all the way through, so... Uh,
1: and Louise? I'd like to do uh, Dr. Selena at Follow the Lima. It's <laughs> remarkably accurate reflection on scientists in academia who have their funding cut i got this on a whole different level when i watched it during my phd four stars
2: Wow, a so bit what, close to the so bone maybe for selena yeah <laughs> a little bit yeah. too close
0: a <laughs> <laughs> bit triggering sorry sorry guys yeah. uh, 'm sorry dot selena
2: uh i'm gonna take lee thomas's tweet at lee thomas five uh, <laughs> an absolute all-timer here one of the most quotable films ever This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole in your head. (laughs) Bill Murray stills the show, as usual, uh, but everybody keeps up. Great theme tune. More movies should have them. Five ghosts out of five. Five ghost emojis out of five there uh, from Lee Thomas. Excellent film for emojis, uh, this one.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And the last one, I guess, takes the emoji game uh, high as well. Uh, Alex Flowers at AX Flowers. Ectoplasmic fun for all the family, perfect casting, world building, and wow, is there any better theme song? Which we didn't talk about, but, you you know, it's... Well, actually, Louise and Sam said it when they... You said the the theme song was kind of ubiquitous for you guys, Mm. but you you haven't seen the film, so we we did talk about that bit. Um, So five stop signs out of five stop signs um <laughs> p.s congratulations to h and k on the double center that means that's us isn't it thanks thanks alex. <laughs> yeah, thanks alex um yeah the theme the theme tune is still amazing it's still fantastic <laughs> isn't
3: it in fact the whole the whole the whole soundtrack's great it there's is. that one song the the magic song it's magic oh, yeah. magic
2: And all of the score as well by Elmer Bernstein is really really like. It's just fun walking around the house music. Um, Just sneak into the kitchen, guys, to the Elmer Bernstein soundtrack. It's really fun. Is
0: Is that the closest OST that's probably closest to the theme song that you'd like to score your life?
2: Ha! Uh, I mean I, I would be I'd be very happy with that what a nice chill one better that than having like the theme tune for like Psycho or something
0: yeah. <laughs> wow guys I'm just trying to buy bread <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, it's, yeah it's very chill I mean that's one of the joy yes another thing to love about the film you know it's funny great soundtrack good yeah. effects amazing cast
0: uh, good choice before we go, I just want to say thank you very much to you, Sam and Louise, for, for co-hosting uh, this bonus episode. Uh, if you haven't heard Sam and Louise before, they have a podcast called 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, which if you don't know it, you should do because you kind of hear the the adverts in between a lot of the podcasts and they're part of the strip media family and we love them to bits. Um, and yeah, you know, tell them briefly about the show if, if no one, in case uh, they haven't heard about it.
2: I think the 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 joy of uh, doing our show and the joy of doing your show is you know guests tell us what to watch um, <laughs> and and the caveat on Netflix Watcher the amazing caveat is that, you know the film just has to be on Netflix. Our caveat is the film just has to be under ninety minutes long. We'll watch anything as long as it's under ninety minutes long, uh, and uh, and yeah, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. But it's uh, it's some you know light-hearted film chats uh, with a special guest each each time. And uh, Louise is not on mic, which is a great shame, uh, but she's very very busy producing and editing the show. You just get to hear my voice, but with uh, amazing guests. We've been quite busy, haven't we, this year in in lockdown? <laughs> we've made a lot of podcasts. We
1: have. I think by the time this FlixWatch episode comes out, we'll have. Released our 60th episode.
2: Ah, still in single, in double digits, not quite triple yet. But um, but yeah, no, it's, it's an exciting milestone uh, there. And I, I guess I don't know uh, if you guys keep track of your runtimes. I don't know if we've got any crossover with with films, but we've definitely got some crossover with past guests. So if you're a avid Flix watcher listener, you might see some familiar names on the guest uh, rotor, including Kobe. Who came on yeah. for episode three of our show talking about black dynamite?
0: Also, Edith Bowman, uh, Joe Cornish, Liam H Dempsey. There's there's a fair few people that appear uh, on this show. So yeah, do listen. Do do take the moment to go to your podcast app, which you're listening to this on now. Type in ninety minutes or less film festival, or just type in ninety minutes. It'll, it'll come up at the top. If it's a football one, ignore that. Go to the first one that's about films, um, <laughs> and there'll be you'll be that one. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks so much for. for doing this guys it's, it's really appreciated and it's really cool to be to to do so
1: thanks very much and happy 200th
3: episode guys
0: Thank you. happy 200th
3: thanks guys
0: bye.
2: Bye.
3: bye enjoyed this episode of Flix watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks pod on twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on instagram